The Traverse Stakes Day Reaction Edition of the Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is offering you a chance to win $15 million in prizes with Best Ball Mania 4. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. We're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on any college football bet only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. Welcome everybody to the Notorious OTV brought to you by the Sports Gambling podcast network uh as you might notice i'm striking out here with a a little bit of a different tone uh than i typically do like to have fun i love my sound drops uh love to crack jokes with my guests doesn't really feel like the time uh nor the place to do it um i mean there will be ad reads but i also don't run the sports gambling podcast network so i it's not like i really have any any say in that matter so uh, if you want to knock me for trying to strike a somber tone and then doing an ad read, yeah, whatever. I mean, just understand. I'm not the boss. Um, this, for me, was the hardest episode I've ever had to conceptualize and write my thoughts down on a piece of paper. Uh, I, I've had just a serious amount of anxiety and stress thinking about this episode since Travers day on Saturday. Seeing New York thunder suffer a catastrophic breakdown after the same happened to Nobel in an allowance race earlier on the card and then deciding it was okay to keep running these races was an absolutely appalling decision by Naira. Something I feel like they should be ashamed of. It was absolutely grotesque and a blatant disregard for the safety of the horses. Hell, for the safety of the human beings that ride the horses. It's not like Tyler Gaffleyone hopped off of New York Thunder and everything was okay. He went down, and he went down hard due to the breakdown. On top of that, I I think it did a significant amount of damage to the long-term health of horse racing in this country. I think one thing, and one thing in particular, really drives home just how how damaging this might have been. Local affiliates, that's right, your local Fox stations or NBC stations, whatever, were tuning out of Travers Day, just opting out of covering the rest of the card before the Travers was even run. When that happens, there's been a serious serious lapse in judgment. I don't think anyone can argue that at this point. It was a serious lapse in just in judgment. 
So why is, you know, coming up with this episode been stressing me out? I think sometimes when I'm stressed out and incredibly anxious about something, it helps me kind of try to strip away all the excess and focus in on the core of what's what's bothering me. Because I'm I'm no different from everyone else. I, I get very lost in, in forest for the trees kind of problems. Maybe I am different from everyone else because it happens to me maybe more than everyone else, you know, more than other people. Has has a a has a you know ability to just kind of snowball on myself and where it's like everything is wrong as opposed to looking at why I'm actually upset, why I'm actually stressed. I think for me personally doing this episode when I strip it away at its core, what was making me feel anxious and it didn't occur to me until this morning whenever I finally made myself have to, have to write it is that this show once again stripping everything away at its core is all about providing answers to a problem or problems. But the problem is never anything existential. The problem is that there are horses entered into a race and then I have to answer who I think will win the race. It's more of like a a essay, you know, word problem kind of thing. That that's what the that's what the problem is is trying to figure out who's going to win the race and how to how to make money out of it. That's what I'm trying to answer. All things considered, that's a pretty comfortable existence. I think you'd agree. I think that this episode is going to push me outside of that comfort zone. For one, the topic of horse deaths is never a warm and fuzzy topic to discuss. Ne- never do we feel good talking about this. It It's the ugly side of, of the sport that I love and, and I've dedicated my life to. And when I say I dedicated my life to, I mean, this is how I pay my bills. Be it gambling on horses, be it doing horse racing content like this show. And it's afforded me essentially the opportunity to just be myself for a living. I I think if you talk to anyone who's been on the show before, if you talk to my friends, you'll know that this isn't a character that I'm playing. You know, I'm I'm not sure there's the, the name, the Wolf of Oaklawn, but that's also, I mean, I just, I have a Twitter handle. It's the, the Wolf of Oaklawn. I mean, that's, it's kind of, it's become me, but nothing about this is a caricature of anything. Like, this is just me. I owe horse racing a lot. It owes me nothing. For two, and I'm not sure if I said the last one was one, but that was one. For two, this show at its core, like I said, is about answering questions. In all honesty, in the interest of transparency, I I can tell you right now that I don't know the answer to the issue. I have no idea what the answer to the issue is. Excluding NFTZ run horses, I've never bred a horse. I've never trained a horse and prepped it for a race. I've never been a veterinarian. I've never been in charge of maintaining a racing surface. I can't take a look at all these elements, though, and I can't tell you where the fuck up occurred, but it doesn't change the fact that 
the fuck up occurred. The best I can do is offer my opinion. And I'll have specific opinions of Naira later on. But I'm going to offer my overall opinion on the, the breakdowns and what might be happening. You can't forget that this is all just opinion. And if I'm wrong, I'm relying on someone who's listened to reach out and tell me because I want to come from the most educated place that I can. If I got something just blatantly, glaringly wrong, tell me. I'm cool with that. I'm okay. Listen, something you get used to being a handicap capper is uh, that you're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong often, and you're going to be wrong over and over again. That's okay. It's about being right when it counts and making money off of it. But one thing is clear, and that's, to me, when we look at these different parts of horse racing as a whole, because that's how we've always done things isn't a good enough, isn't good enough ever for anything. Change is good. Change is good because hell. Listen, how would you feel if your doctor walked into the exam room and was like, we're just going to stick a bunch of fucking leeches on you. That's how we're going to handle it. We're going to stick a bunch of leeches onto you, and that will take care of the problem. And you're like, leeches? Why? There's modern medicine. Like, how? Why are we? Why leeches? And the doctor's like, well, it's been done this way since the 1700s. It's obvious that this is the best practice. Well, it's not always the best practice just because that's what you've always done. So that's it. Those are my cards on the table. I don't necessarily come from a place of expertise on all these things. I just know that something has to change. And these are my opinions of things that are going on in every single part of horse racing in the game and how we might possibly figure it out where, where we need to change our thought. And it seems that everybody can point the finger at everyone else. They can say it's the breeding. They can say it's the trainers. They can say it's the PEDs. They can say it's the track. But I don't think the blame falls squarely at the feet at, at any one section of the business. I think the blame darkens everyone's doorway to an extent. So before we drop into looking at these different elements, got to get a word in from our sponsors. Uh, first one's going to be from DraftKings. Uh, college football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Listen, I'm I'm excited about uh about Nebraska on the money line plus two fifty. That's a that's a lot shot I want to take. Life's more fun when you're in the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SGP. New customers can score two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly when they bet just five dollars on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER, see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details, and state specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. All right. So let's jump into it. Let's hit the first thing that I had on the list. Uh, breeding. I do think that there is an issue with our breeding and how we're going about breeding horses in terms of what we're trying to put into the gene pool going forward. Like it or not, it's it's an issue. And money money talks. So these breeders are going to do what people are paying money for, what's going to get them the most at auction. Listen, in the past, American horses raced much more often. We didn't have horses that ran only a handful of races in their career, and, and then there were they were retired. They ran more often, they ran longer distances, and they raced until they were older. I've heard somewhere that a thoroughbred racehorse doesn't hit its full maturity until well after its its three year old season. I think that. Age I've heard is around five or so is when a, an American thoroughbred or any thoroughbred is, is fully mature. Now you're only likely to see a top quality horse that could have a future as a stallion race past three or four years. If it's a gelding, which means it has no future as a stallion, the money talks, the money talks and it's forcing some of these Horses that only have raced a handful of times, but they've won a big race out of the game before they're mature and into the breeding shed. Now, when a three year old horse wins a grade one, especially one of the marquee preps or a triple crown race, the future earnings as a stallion greatly outweigh the risk of letting it continue to race into maturity. I'm not an expert on genetics or horse breeding, but retiring this these horses this early doesn't seem wise. And it's because we don't know everything about the physiology of the horse and what flaws that it might have that we might not want to keep flushing into the gene pool. I think that makes the priorities in the benchmark change change. You know, the benchmarks change. Because now the goal isn't to have a champion horse that wins a bunch of races. The, the goal is to win early, win a marquee race at two or three years old, and then straight to the breeding shed. Maybe that's just a symptom of a bigger issue with us as a society now, that we're impatient for our return on investment. We want the gratification. We want the instant gratification. I blame Apple for some reason. I don't know. Fuck it. Is breeding for precocity at two a sustainable model for keeping this sport viable for much longer? I'm not sure that it is. I was talking to Andrew Champagne the other day, and he brought up something that I think is, is an excellent point, which is sometimes, or actually the most important race that a horse will ever run is like a one furlong, two furlong breeze before the auction. 
where the horse is just blown out and it's a race against the clock. That's what drives up the dollars. That's what gets people to raise their little paddles whenever it's auction time. And I had this thought that stuck with me. I know I've run it against by some friends. They disagree with me, but this is a thought that as just like the fire hose, the thought fire hose was basically just flooding my brain from, you know, the time that, uh, the jerkins ran on, on Saturday and, and today right now, as I'm recording, it's just been full blast, but this is the thought that I had and I can understand if people disagree it, but disagree with it. But this is my thought is that buyer speed figures were an evolution for handicappers and horse players that moved us handicappers and horse players just light years forward. But maybe they were a step backwards in the breeding industry. Because I don't think they were ever intended to be a marketing tool for stallions. That's what you see when you, you see these stallion commercials, which... I can't stand because they they're like fancy cologne commercials for horse jizz. You see things like this horse ran a one ten buyer. This horse ran a one, you know, won this race as a th- as a two year old. Won this race as a three year old. Ran ran a one ten buyer. Ran a one something buyer. Does it tell the final customer of these horses what they really need to know? Sure, the horse is fast, but the buyer speed figure doesn't speak to the horse's durability. Now let's move on. Let's hit the next point. The trainers. Now here's what you're not about to hear when I talk about trainers. I'm not going to start naming individual trainers by name and start talking about who's the worst and who does what wrong. I've never trained a horse. I'm not with these horses every single day. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know better than the trainers that do. Honestly, I, I think it's obvious that some trainers are entering unsound horses into races. Now, I don't think that's something that you see as much at the top level of the game. I think it happens much more often in like the lower level claiming races where unsound horses are being entered into races in the interest of getting the horses out of their barn. And that doesn't necessarily fall just on the trainers. That includes the vets also. Vets are supposed to be examining these horses pre-race to make sure that they're sound enough to race. Somehow, though, there are horses that are making it through the cracks to race. Don't believe If you don't believe that's the case, I encourage you to look through your past performances of some of these claimers that have a dash behind the conditions. And notice there are certain trainers that have a higher number of occurrences of avoided claims where the horse didn't pass a post-race examination. There are other reasons for for voiding of claims, but that seems to have been the focus as, as of late. You know, once Santa the the Santa Anita issues happened a few years ago, and really people started taking a look at this. Once again, I don't know the the answer to this. Like what what the trainers can do different, what the veterinarians can do different, but I do know that one has to exist. And something has to change to keep unsound horses from racing. 
Maybe it's a better investment in a thoroughbred aftercare. I think that's a worthy cause. I think that's a cause that if you've had a great day at the track, now it doesn't make up for, uh, say you're a track and you, you're continually sending unsound horses out to race to their death, essentially. It, it doesn't absolve you if you're putting a little bit back towards, towards, you know, towards thoroughbred, thoroughbred aftercare. But this is something us as a horse player can actually take ownership of is that say we had a good day at the track, put a little bit aside, donate it to some thoroughbred aftercare uh, entity, some charity. Cause I mean, hell, some of these horses, if they don't die on track, they're still grisly endings for them. And I think a lot of the issue is that you have to have money to take care of these horses. So help, help out and uh, make sure that they've got the funds to do so. If it's something you can afford, not everyone can. I understand. All right. Once again, got to get some words in from the sponsors. Uh, I'm going to start off underdog fantasy. Uh, August is almost over, and you know what that means. Time is running out for you to draft your fantasy football team on underdog fantasy. Get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on underdog fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades. You set it, you forget it, and underdog does the rest. Try it out with underdog's best ball mania tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Do you have what it takes to win? To win it all? The time is now. The last day to draft your fantasy football team is September 7th. Visit underdogfantasy.com and find them in the app store and sign up with promo code SGPN to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code SGPN. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also brought to you by the SGPN Patreon. Make sure you check out our Patreon. How did I become a part of the SGP family? Hey, man, I had people vouch for me. I got I had Adam Pelletier and Colby Dant in my, in my corner, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get this job and be myself for a living. Sign up for the Patreon. Get access to exclusive contests, including the NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 first place prize. This week's Patreon Pick'em is all week one college football. The Patreon is a great way to support the network and fight back against corporate gambling. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. All right. Now, back into the unfortunate subject matter. So we've talked about the breeding. We've talked about the trainers. And another thing that people will will point a figure figure and figure out, and they'll say it's the it's the PEDs, it's the it's the juice that that horses are, are running on. This is once again not a place where I'm interested in throwing out names of trainers I think are dirty and pumping their horses full of God knows what banned substances in order to win races. And the reason is that I don't have the proof. And even as naive as it might seem. I like to think that the majority of trainers out there aren't doing things like this. I'll throw out a couple names, but the reason is that these people have been caught. You can't argue that they they haven't done something wrong. They haven't put a substance into a horse that that shouldn't be because it's on record. They've been caught doing it. 
I call it the Bob Baffert effect. Bob's been caught several times. The Bob Baffert effect is that he's made the general public believe that when a horse does something extraordinary, that it's always the result of the horse being dirty. Listen, when Rich Strike won the Kentucky Derby, from my non-everyday horse player friends, people who maybe just have a casual interest in it, their questions immediately flooded my text messages was how much how much shit did they have rich strike on to to get him to win the race what's well, that didn't happen rich strike had a million things go right for rich strike to win that race if one of those things doesn't happen he maybe doesn't hit the superfecta if two of those things don't happen they doesn't even finish on the board no reason for that to think that that horse was ever on drugs. But the Bob Baffert effect is any winning horse that's had the right pace set up or just ran at its top is fucking dirty by association. But that, with that being said, PEDs are, 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 and medication overages are, are always going to be part of the game sadly they're always going to be part of the game and this is true for human athletes as it is for equine athletes this is why i say they're always going to be part of the game is that there's always new forms of these drugs being created and testing innovation is always going to lag behind creation of new peds and there will always be a period where they're undetectable and they can be used with little fear of testing positive for them or them showing up in a blood test is, you know, something innocuous and, and a therapeutic that's legal and racing. If you don't believe me and if you don't believe that Kate, that's the case, then you should take a look into the United States cases against Jason Service and, and George Navarro. Those are the two trainers I don't mind saying by name be, along with Bob because they've been caught. And in this case, these two were imprisoned. They have it directly from their mouths. They have wiretaps with them saying in their own voices and words that they have their horses on something that was undetectable or showed up as something else. They had everything on their in their barn on these substances. So if you don't believe me that testing always is always going to lag behind, it's just fucking science. And it's just how research and development and discovery works. It takes a long time for people to figure out what's going on. You got to catch someone initially and figure out just what they're using before you can even come up with a test for it. I think that there's a problem with how we're punishing people once they're caught for having horses on banned substances or overages of allowed therapeutic substances. That's the biggest problem. It's not they're on fucking pig steroids putting on body mass. It's it's that they're they're the horses are running and they're not feeling their limbs and they're just running until they break. 
The problem with how we're punishing them is that our system of punishment and our fines are fucking archaic. Some of these fine amounts, are you kidding me? For some of these trainers I, I can think of who, if they got caught, it would be the cost of a tr- trip to Costco for them. It would be one, you know, a month's shopping bill for groceries for them and their family. That ha- with the amount of money that's in these purses these days, this has to change. The fines are so little that if you run every single horse in your barn dirty and make a boat buttload of money, winning with 95% of your barn, but you might get one caught, then the risk of getting caught pales in comparison to how much you can win with your horses that aren't caught. Because if you didn't get the dosage right and one of them shows up dirty on a test, yeah, you you forfeit that purse, but you're not forfeiting all your purses. And so the, the juice is always going to be worth the squeeze until you change the punishment and the fine structure. So what's the solution? I don't know. Again, I don't know the answer to, to these, most of these questions. Maybe there needs to be an increased investment in identifying these new substances and creating the testing technology to, to detect them. How are you going to do that? I also, I don't know how you're going to do that because people still have rights as Americans. You can't just like stormtroop right through their fucking barns and houses and, and find everything. Maybe we need to re-examine the punishments and make sure they're keeping pace with the landscape of increasing purses and, and just inflation dollar amounts for, for every part of the game. Now, before I hit my Naira rant here, uh, I, I'm going to hit the last bit, which is, and this is something that even if you don't know how to fix it, not like Nairo on Saturday, come on. You should be able to recognize that something's off. And that's, it's the track. We blame the surface. Santa Anita, Churchill Downs, Belmont, Saratoga, every single one of these major tracks and major circuits has had issues with bad stretches of horse deaths. Santa Anita and Churchill Downs have both in recent years had to shut down the operation of their tracks due to this issue. But, it never seems like it's it's on time. It's it's always not until the, the non-racing public becomes so hyper aware of a string of horse deaths that they decide that they need to do something. Shouldn't just the overall safety of your equine athletes be the motivating factor to say, hold on, something's not right, we can prevent this? No, it never crosses their mind. No matter what circuit you follow, when it's a major stakes Saturday, you typically see a track bias develop, and it's the same for all of them. Speed, 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 speed. It seems like the horse racing industry is captive to the almighty speed and speed figure. The tracks are maintained it. And listen, this is something I'm saying. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but perception is a lot. So... The tracks are maintained to increase speed to break track records. A lot of times, though, I think that means probably scraping these dirt surfaces down and reducing the amount of cushioning that deeper dirt provides that might reduce these fatal injuries. 
Also, if you're a handicapper, you likely follow the weather. And you know that leading into these terrible streaks of horse deaths, you'll find that they keep occurring when tracks are facing periods of rain more than they typically see in that region or at that track. Do we think there's a connection to that? Probably. Saratoga has been so wet this summer that it seems like you can't even get a race on turf. So I bring up the tracks. What's the answer? Again, I don't know. I don't know, but I have some ideas. Maybe we stop making the tracks speedways anytime we have a stakes race with a G next to its name in the card. Maybe when we're facing uncharacteristically wet weather, we take a harder look at the surface and if it's fit for horses to run over. I don't think that Naira and Saratoga were thinking that. I think that the bigger question was never, can horses run over this safely? It's, can we get the card in? Can we get the the gambling handle in and make sure that we're being paid for this short meet without having to cancel any days it seems like the the issue is let's not cancel at all costs and if it's even a question then the default move should be to cancel the card entirely and put the loss and handle second to the safety of our equine and then by proxy human athletes because remember every time a horse goes down there's a little guy on top that goes down with them And as much as horse players hate to hear this word, synthetic, maybe we need to take a much deeper look into converting tracks over to this surface from dirt. I know that European tracks have moved to it, and as far as I know, they don't have these same issues. So is it the track? Is it the the drugs? Is it the trainers? Is it just the blood stock? I don't know. Everyone can point their fingers at someone else in this process, but maybe the entire process is flawed. Maybe we just got it wrong right now from, from cradle to grave. And unfortunately, it's from cradle to untimely grave. That's why we have to talk about it. So, Here's the the last piece of this that doesn't fall under the category of horse racing in general and horse racing safety. And it, it looks specifically at one circuit. And it got so fucked up at Naira, at Saratoga this summer, that I have to speak my mind or I'm going to fucking bust. That's the racing stewards. Now, I'll be honest with you, before they ran a race on Saturday at Saratoga, I had already made the decision not to bet a fucking dime on the Travers card. That's the first Travers card since I've been a horse player where I had the opportunity to bet and opted out. Where I said no. The reason for that was Naira Stewart's recent stretch of piss-poor, inexplicable decisions in regards to making changes in in races at Saratoga, it made me feel, me as a better feel, that I was not betting on a competition that, that was on the up and up. 
when people hired by Naira and the people on a national broadcast just have to throw up, throw up their hands in the air and, and say, I don't know what the fuck they're thinking. When those professionals, we have professional hall of fame jockeys. You have racing correspondents who have watched a whole lot of racing, just like I have say, I don't fucking get it. Then that's a massive red flag that there's a huge problem. There was no consistency. Well, there was some consistency. There seemed to be a concerted effort to protect stars or one in particular, Irad Ortiz Jr. Yeah. Why are we protecting Irad at all costs? Sure. You like having a jockey on your horse who's going to give you an aggressive ride. But you also want one that's going to consider the safety of the people that he's competing against. And one, you also want to see that when he breaks the rules, that he, he gets DQ'd like he's supposed to. That wasn't happening with, with Irad. And this led me to believe that you can only come up, you can only really come to one to t- one of two conclusions ab- about the New York stewards. They're either one, completely incompetent and do not have the mental capacity to effectively carry out their jobs, or two, They're corrupt and somehow benefiting from these decisions financially. Neither of those conclusions are good. Now, I feel like I do have proof that they're might be incompetent because I have eyes. We all have eyes. We've all seen it. For the financial thing, I don't have proof, but before you dismiss the this idea that the stewards might be corrupt and on the take, you should look at some of the things that Linda Rice was accused of when she initially was handed down a 10-year ban at Naira. Munning was changing hands with people in the racing office. This is fact. But the reason that that didn't go much further is they got them classified as loans. Like this was a loan to someone in the racing office. And hell, maybe that's something that happens. On the regular, a trainer loans someone five grand or whatever, and you know says they'll have to pay them back. But it seems like that's the easiest way to turn a bribe into something more savory is by saying it's it's a loan that they eventually have to pay pay back. Was there a promissory note? Was there a payment schedule? Was there an amortization? Are you charging interest? Because otherwise, just giving someone money in the racing office, that's just a bribe. Are these stewards getting paid like mob-style protection money by trainers or jockeys to ensure that if a race comes down to a steward's decision between two different trainers or two different jockeys, that the people who have paid up are the people who stay up? And that they don't have to worry about about a DQ. Again, I can only go with what my eyes tell me here. 
which is some riders in particular sure seem like they were protected. Does that embolden some jockeys to ride even more dangerously because they know they don't have to worry about ever having a decision? You know, they don't have to worry about ever having a decision go against them. Are suspensions their way to take heat off them instead of making the obvious decisions that everyone knows need to be made? Again, I don't know, and I can't say for sure. I don't have proof. I just have what my eyes tell me of what happened in the race. And then the ultimate decision that that came down. So that's it. Rant over on Naira Stewards on why I'm not sure if I can play New York racing for a good little bit at least. We'll see. It might claw me back in eventually, but for the time being, I'm out. I'm out on New York racing. Listen, I appreciate everyone for listening to me ramble. This was a hard one, a hard one to talk about and a hard one to think about because I don't like to think about horse racing dying. Like I said, this is how I make my living. And I might've missed the, the sports gambling wave. Like now I'm just another person who's trying to get into that space. I feel like I've got, I've got my niche here, my niche, and I'm, I'm, pretty happy with my niche because it's, you know, I, I can think of so many interests and so many hobbies that I've had over the course of my life. None of them have lasted as long as horse racing. I've never been able to keep up my focus and enthusiasm for anything. As long as I've been able to keep up my focus and enthusiasm for, for horse racing. So thank you for listening. Like I said, if you think I've got something completely wrong, tell me, shoot me a DM, tweet at me. Tell me, tell me what I missed. I've been wrong before. I'm going to be wrong again. I don't mind hearing that I'm wrong. I'm not one of those people that here like doesn't like hearing that they're wrong. I like to think of it as an opportunity to get it right. And Naira, you had the opportunity to get it right on Saturday by canceling the rest of of the Travers card after New York thunder went down. But you didn't. And the only reason I can find is fucking greed and it's fucking deplorable. And I was just ashamed to be a horse player or to even be someone who's a casual follower of the sport. That's going to do it for us here on the notorious OTB brought to you by the sports gambling podcast network. We'll be back later this week to get back into our normal mode, talking handicapping. Of course, we'll be looking at the Pacific Classic card at Del Mar. Who knows? We might look at uh, Kentucky Downs if uh, horse racing Twitter doesn't fucking crucify me for it. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one.